Hello there, my name is Freya Brolsma and welcome to this very special episode of Inside McLaren Applied. In this, the final episode of the series, I chat with some of the amazing women at McLaren Applied. You'll be hearing from Abby Wetton from Transport, Karen Given from Automotive, Olivia Carter from Motorsport and Karen Bowling from Production. This was a truly inspiring discussion and such a privilege to host. You'll hear about some of the significant triumphs the business has achieved, different journeys to working for McLaren Applied, and even a short story about Her Majesty the Queen. So let's get into it. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being part of our panel today. We've got four amazing women here, each with super cool jobs here at McLaren Applied, and it's going to be a great discussion. To get started, it would be good just to find out who you are and what you do here at McLaren Applied. To my left, I might start with you, Karen. Can you tell us who you are and what you do here? Hi, I'm Karen Given. I'm a senior systems engineer here at McLaren Applied. And I guess I particularly work on uh, inverters. So inverters for different customers and that side of things. So that's me. I'm sure inverter wasn't a word that you were familiar with when you were considering your career options growing up. And it can be a bit daunting if you're at school or university. You don't feel like you immediately know what your passion is or what you want to do with life. How did engineering enter your life and was it something you always knew you wanted to do? So I'd say, yeah, that question about uh, what do you want to do and what is an inverter? Yeah, Um, I wouldn't have had a clue when I was younger. Um, I probably gathered I'd probably go into engineering because I was just naturally better at maths and science and that side of things. When I was at school, I am dyslexic, so my English and languages were never going to be a good thing. Um, So, yeah, so always just gradually specialised in maths and science subjects. I picked more of those sort of subjects when I was at GCSE and then when it came to A level again, picked more maths and science, and then when I was applying to university, I was like, "Oh, what shall I do?" Okay, lots of math science. Do I go become a scientist? Do I become a mathematician or go into accountancy or something like that? And I was like, "Actually, engineering has a bit of everything, so let's go for that." Um, luckily enough, be able to pick a degree course that had a lot of stuff to start with. So I did a bit of mechanical, a bit of electrical, and a bit of aero and various different things and then through that uh, degree I managed to specialise into mechanical type stuff um, and then went into aerospace um, after university and then decided to move more into what McLaren Applied does and working on inverters now. Amazing and so you learned what your strengths were and very much played to those after after you understood that about yourself and gradually specialised in that engineering um, academic side of things. What was your experience life like in I suppose an industry or a field of study more than anything while changing is traditionally more of a male area of, of study did that change as you specialised throughout? You know, did you find that there were fewer and fewer women in your courses? What was that experience like? Yeah, so, yeah, it was, I would say, a gradual transition. Um, yeah, A-levels, doing physics and maths, that was few in those subjects. And then, yeah, gradually got smaller and smaller based on where I ended up going to. Um, but I don't think 
I've got used to it and you, yeah. you're just customised to mm-hmm. it. I think that's the thing. So I don't feel it being particularly odd that I'm the only or one of the few female engineers around um, because that's what I've grown up with, yep. as it were. So, yeah. Yep. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that with us. <laughs> Olivia, I might ask a bit about your background. Like Karen, you also started in engineering, I understand, um, but then moved further study into computer science. But Starting with the same question, did you always know you wanted to be an engineer or when did that kind of arrive on your horizon? Yeah, that's right. So I, I grew up, I attended various uh, different schools in England and Norway. Um, I then settled in Tunbridge Wells and I enrolled to study mechanical and electrical engineering at college. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. It was something that I hadn't done much of previously Uh, like Karen it was mainly maths and science Um, I like different languages but that that really did interest me and um, I got really involved with CNC so computer numerical control programming that kind of thing that's when I realized that may be an area for me Um, at that stage I actually took a little break I went traveling for a few years I went to Australia. Um, Wise move. Absolutely. <laughs> to try and work out what I really wanted to do. Um, and I kept coming back to this programming, computer side of things, and decided to, uh, to sign up for, uh, for a degree in Canterbury. So I went there. I studied computer science. Um, and, yeah, I was hooked from there, really. Uh, you know, really enjoyed the course. Um, by then, you know, I was a mature student. I knew a little bit more about what I wanted to do, the direction I wanted to take, and um, that was that. Yeah. Mm. My next question for you was going to be, do you have a standout memory in terms of, I suppose, your some of your studies? But I might actually ask you if you have a standout memory from your time in Australia instead. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I, I landed in Australia and um, I was open to anything, you know, the usual kind of skydiving, surfing, any, anything you could kind of do. Um, but I ended up scuba diving uh, and again got kind of drawn into this um, kind of technical side of really being interested in the algorithms, the decompression times, you know, how long could I die for without, you know, getting sick, getting the bends. Um, and again, I mean, that was something I came back to with my uh, uni dissertation uh, and actually wrote some software for that. So yeah, it, it was kind of meant to be. Yeah, amazing. So it's always kind of confirmed through a lived experience in terms of what the strengths strengths were that you found out about your, yourself and how you wanted to apply them to your career. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, Abby, you are now a strategic account manager at McLaren Applied, but your journey started with an idea. So a bit different to some of the stories we've heard so far. It was a different entry to McLaren Applied. Can you tell us about how you came to work here? Yes. So, um, yeah, very different in terms of background and my growing up. And I think if you rewound sort of five, ten years and said that I'd be doing today what I am doing, I I definitely wouldn't have believed you at that point. Um, So, yeah, I I finished school and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I'd say maths and science were probably more my weaker subjects, if anything. Uh, I was more on the sort of creative English language side but really didn't know what I wanted to do. And all my friends were sort of going off to uni and had a very clear view of, of what their path was going to look like. And I was just very unsure. So I decided at that point to do business. Um, I didn't go away to uni. I, I stayed at home and I did a business degree, but whilst working at the same time. Um, 
And, and I loved it, to be fair. I'd not done business before at school. It was something new, but I thought business comes into everything, so it'll be a useful point of my time. Um, so, yeah, I did that, and I was actually looking at uh, graduate schemes around retail management. So I was working in retail at the time. I wanted to go into sort of that side of business. Um, but I guess in my outside of, of, of school and everything, I'd been a, quite a creative person. So growing up, I tend to have sort of a little book of ideas or inventions or little products that if I went on Dragon's Den, I'd want to take on there. Um, and never really took them anywhere. They were just sort of an outsider thing. But one day when I was meant to be doing my my uni module, but obviously scrolling on Facebook, um, <laughs> I saw a little advert come up for the Telegraph STEM Awards, so the Telegraph newspaper. Um, and it just caught my eye and I clicked on it. And um, what that was is, is the Telegraph STEM Awards sets challenges in STEM subjects sponsored by a number of companies across the UK. McLaren Applied was one of them. Um, and they set challenges. And one of them was around um, transport and improving health and safety within transport. And it just so happened that that was one of the ideas that I'd happened to have in this little black book. Um, and I thought, you know what, this, I'm not going to take that anywhere else in any other way. So just dropped a one pager in on the application and didn't really think much of it after that. Um, and then, yeah, I got an email out of the blue and I'd been shortlisted for McLaren Applied category. Um, and I came to MTC and had to present that idea. So sort of went from zero to 100 quite quickly, found myself in a room of Oxford and Cambridge engineers. And uh, I was a business student and I thought, oh God, how have I got in this room? <laughs> um, but yeah, I ended up winning winning that category, going to the final of the STEM Awards, which was a great experience. Um, and I got a work experience at McLaren Applied through that. Um, so did my week's work experience and then very luckily got offered a permanent job at the end and I'm still here five years later. So yeah, a bit of a whirlwind that got me in this place, but such a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. We were lucky enough to visit MTC earlier in the week mm-hmm. and I had goosebumps when I walked in just the rich history that you're surrounded with and things that you've seen on tv and you know have admired for such a long time it was almost a bit overwhelming yeah. what was your how did you feel when you went to the MTC for the first time I think to be honest when I was going it, I mean I got the email that I'd been shortlisted and then we were there the next week so the the speed and the turnaround I think I was very much just thinking okay just go along with it and the the greatness of it hadn't really hit me, but I remember walking along and if anyone's seen seen the MTC, there's sort of a, a high walkway where the receptions are and you sort of come up from underground in a glass elevator, Charlie in the chocolate factory style, yeah. and look out at all the cars and the lake. And I just remember that point of thinking, oh my gosh, how have I got here? Um, but yeah, I mean, very similar to talking about our stories today, I was there to talk about an idea that had come up with in my own head no one was going to sort of tell me that I'd got my information wrong because I'd, I'd made it up myself so I thought right okay let's just crack on and see where we get and yeah uh, I think that was the best way to go about it yeah an amazing attitude like you said it's it's my idea something I just came up with and, and we go from there mm-hmm. you only had it was a week of work experience and obviously you know it's a short period of time but was there anything during that time that made you want to really grow your career here at McLaren Applied I think other than obviously as soon as you're in that environment in an MTC, it's, it's, as you say, it's pretty breathtaking to be around that. And it's not something I'd ever experienced or expected to experience. So that whole thing was straight away an attractive feature. But even so in my work experience, I spent different days with different departments. So sometimes with design, sometimes with commercial engineering and really just seeing the, the breadth of 
people that were there and the expertise and the knowledge that they had. It, it was amazing to see how many different people were there and all that knowledge. And as I say, it's not something I thought about going into in sort of an engineering type business, but it straight away just got me excited to see everything that was going on. Um, and yeah, that just hooked me really. And as soon as I left from that week, I was like, I want to go through that door again. So I was on the email seeing what was going to happen next. (laughs) I can certainly (laughs) empathize with that feeling. Absolutely wanting to, to go back for sure. Karen, moving to you through the various bits and pieces, which I believe is the technical term, uh, that McLaren applied have out in the field an astonishing 1.5 million race kilometers without failure has been achieved and you've been a big part of that achievement, achievement of reliability. Um, how long have you been at McLaren Applied for and can you tell us a bit about what it means to be Control Systems Production Team Lead? Okay, so I've been there for 19 years, uh, uh, 20 years in November. Um, uh, control Systems Team Lead means that um, I'm in charge of a team of uh, people who build the control systems for the Formula One, for NASCAR, IndyCar. Um, day to day, we're basically building um, to schedules, very tight schedules, and also um, uh, helping to develop the new things that products that are coming through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's quite a different path potentially into your field with people progressing through things like apprenticeships and the like. Um, It can be a bit different in terms of different parts of engineering. What was your path when it came to starting at McLaren Applied nearly 20 years ago? When I started there, I was the first, the only female in production. Mm -hmm. And um, they said they wanted a female there. Um, and we were at McLaren, and we weren't, weren't McLaren, then we were TAG Electronic mm-hmm. Systems, then McLaren Electronic Systems, then McLaren Applied Technologies, now McLaren Applied. Yep. <laughs> so we've, I've been through all of those, and we didn't work at MTC. We, we had a building in Woking that we worked from. Uh, we moved there when it opened. We were the first um, company to actually move in, part of the company to move in. Um, which was very nice. And um, uh, in fact, when they opened the building, the Queen opened the building and I was lucky enough to uh, be chosen to have dinner with the Queen. So that was very nice. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's the second um, mention of of royalty that's actually come out in the the conversations (laughs) that we've been having. What, how, I don't even know what my next question is. That's just amazing. (laughs) But yeah, tell us about that. Um, yeah, so uh, we were basically, we, we had to, the, the whole building was on lockdown, obviously, because the Queen was coming. And um, I wasn't told until the morning I actually got into work, but I was told that I couldn't wear my uniform, I had to wear my uh, civilian clothes. So um, I had to get out of the building and all of the cars were off site as well because of the security. And I had to um, borrow the director's car to get home to get changed and <laughs> come back. Um, so, but actually uh, I wasn't nervous at all. I, I thought I'd be really nervous, um, uh, obviously. But um, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't nervous one, one little bit, just really enjoyed the whole, the whole thing. 
an incredible experience that you'll hold on to, I'm sure. That's yeah, and awesome. all the F1 drivers were all there, so got to go and speak to them all and, uh, yeah, it's very good. Amazing. Karen, you must have had some amazing experiences as well. It might not have featured as many uh, members of the royal family perhaps, but <laughs> but I imagine in your time here you would have worked on quite a range of projects across McLaren Applied's various divisions, motorsport, automotive, transport. Has there been a favourite for you? I think it's just the amount of other extra the other things I've also been doing. So I've been doing STEM, STEM coordinator. I've been part of the Driven Women Committee. Um, and I think it's it's been doing all of those plus plus doing, working on things which are like cutting edge, properly cutting edge. So I've worked on autonomous control unit, which is really eye-opening and thinking about things in a brand new, different, different problem space. So you're like oh, yeah, you know, normal situation might be that. And it's like, but we, the car doesn't have a driver. So actually, you probably need to think of it differently. And sort of thinking of things like that, which really working on cutting-edge technology, you really do have to sort of think differently and not necessarily just the way it was done before, mm-hmm. um, really to push those things forwards. So I think it's working. I think it's... I can't really pick out a single project because there have been so many different projects, but they've all been, it's the common thread of the things that I've found really, really good are all the ones which are like cutting edge technology, pushing things forwards. Um, That's, that's my like buzz and that's where I like to work in. So yeah. Is that a buzz that anybody else experiences when it comes to working on those things that you know are cutting edge right on, I suppose, when it comes to innovation and pioneering. Um, is that something else that gets anybody else up in the morning? That's what keeps you motivated? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for me, I'd say, you know, working on on software, on the cutting edge, and also with the people. You know, you're, you're working with specialists, engineers who have experience like no other, really, and I work with them every day. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Karen, I might jump back to you again. Um, do you feel like there's any misconceptions about what an engineer does? I know for some people they might think engineering and they might think hard hats and high vis, <laughs> which we know is not the reality. Is that still an understanding that you think is, is, is held? I think there is a certain amount of that. Um, I think it's just trying to bring awareness that it's not all mucky. You don't always wear, you know, don't wear boiler suits, don't necessarily wear hard hats. Okay, there are times when you might have to wear some <laughs> things which are a bit more like that. But the vast majority of the day is, for me, is in an office mm-hmm. or working from home or wherever, that sort of situation. Um, it's not necessarily, it's not going and, you know, with a spanner and doing things some elements there might be that but there is also that technical more academic side behind it which I think some people might not be aware of Mm -hmm. you know the technology that academic more theoretical side that you need to have to be able to create what your phone or you know any other type of thing to include and going into like control systems like you, you have to have that background to be able to make those things um to design them and everything like that so yeah that's I think people just aren't aware that yep. there, there are people out there trying to make those things and yeah. there's stuff behind it um you might not see it but to be able to get to that end product you have all this other engineering side behind it so yes, yes. Olivia I might ask you the same questions do you feel like there's 
what what the level is of understanding when it comes to what an engineer might actually do in practice. Yeah. Yeah, are there any misconceptions around that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think within engineering, um, for example, within a software team, there's there's so many different flavors, and I I, I don't think people realise that there are um, many different skill sets and disciplines within engineering. So you know you have the software engineers who focus on the on the coding side of things uh, and understanding the requirements. You've got the test engineers who are focused on obviously testing the code which is created by the software engineers and validating requirements and again making sure they deliver what they're supposed to deliver. Um, and in my team, you've got um, systems reliability engineers who are who are focused on something completely different. You know the tools the various tools that are used by both types of engineers. So I think that's one misconception is that engineers are just engineers. Uh, I think it's a lot broader than that, a lot more interesting than that. Yeah, absolutely. And Abby, again, you said different background. Um, You've got that business uh, training or or academic side of things. You're now working for a STEM-focused organisation in many different ways. Are there any misconceptions for you that have been disrupted by working here? I think for me, um, like like the guys have said, there's just such a, a breadth. And for me personally, I think until I sort of got to the point of, of friends being at university and meeting people that were studying engineering, it was never even anything at school that crossed my path and thought of, which I guess says something for how it's being introduced. And I think it's becoming a lot more popular now. But at the time, I think unless you grew up with a real aim to go into that thing, it probably wasn't something that you came across. But yeah, I mean... I think it's, as Karen says, how much stuff it goes into. And even from from my perspective, there's not a day goes by in my role, which is is very commercially focused, that I don't sit and talk with an engineer or I'm on a phone call and I, I can't do my day job without them and vice versa. And I think that interaction between the two, I think it's not necessarily that you have to have um, an engineering background or that be that way inclined if you've got an interest in that stuff like I love seeing all of the boards that the teams are making and we're putting hardware on trains I never thought I'd get so excited about an antenna that sits on top of a train but <laughs> here I am today so um, yeah I think just people having that thought that you would only work in this type of organization if you've grown up and been very focused into that but actually the blend between business and and design and everything else that comes into it to come out with an engineering product, I think people necessarily don't always see that side of it. Yeah, absolutely. We've had some really good discussions um, about transport and trains, and I'll be certainly looking for that antenna yes. <laughs> next time on the train. Um, not sure we're tall enough to see it, perhaps on the outside. Um, Karen, as you talked about already, you're now a leader in the uh, control systems production team and you've witnessed a lot of change, which which you've described here in terms of mergers, pandemics, um, and I'm sure through that some pretty significant shifts in, in strategy as well. There must have been some real ups and downs in, in your experience. What have been some of your, what have you learned about leadership through those different, those different times? Um, I suppose I've learned that um, the comp- you have to be very compassionate and uh, make sure that everybody's happy. Um, uh, I suppose as, as well as that, you need to make sure that you're on top of the game. You have to make sure that everything goes out. You've got customers out there that need, need their units. They're, they need to go on a car um, or a bike or in a train. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you, you just need to be 
be there, but be there for the people as well. Olivia, we might start talking about Atlas a little bit, if that's all right. We heard about this um, this morning, which was just a fascinating conversation. And you're currently responsible for the McLaren Applied Atlas team. Um, I think Richard Saxby actually introduced you earlier as our Atlas genius, on-site genius. Um, And we've also talked about just the powerful insights that it allows for. Where does your role come into it when it comes to managing the team and the ongoing development of the product? Okay, so since joining McLaren Applied as an engineering manager, uh, my main focus has really been on the team itself. Uh, so that's included recruiting new engineers, uh, looking at personal development and training opportunities for the existing engineers. Uh, I've been working also on really defining their roles, really understanding exactly what it is that their responsibilities are, and also at a, a wider level looking at the shape of the whole team. So restructuring that and making sure that I can maintain a very high-performing, happy, sustainable team uh, for the future. Uh, So in parallel with that, I've also been acting as a scrum master. So that's leading on the scheduling, the planning, the delivery of our quarterly Atlas releases. Um, Atlas, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, it's a suite of applications. It's responsible for obtaining, analysing and displaying data captured by control systems. Um, It's used by data analysts to improve vehicle and driver performance, monitor vehicle condition and uh, enforce any relevant regulations. Um, There's a staggering six and a half million lines of code in Atlas. (laughs) Uh, So in order to support that for our customers... We develop software releases to fix bugs. We create new features. uh, And on top of that, we work on innovative projects, new new ideas to support our longer-term technical and product roadmaps. So that's a summary of of my role. Just a short summary of your role. (laughs) There's just a few things that you're looking after then. Um, And you you must work with, obviously, various teams um, within the business in order to, to deliver on that. Multidisciplinary team can be challenging um what what are some of the I suppose strategies that you have for, for dealing with those different different teams and multidisciplinary teams working together how do you work through that productively okay so the I suppose the challenges are is to recognize uh individuals uh what what they're trying to achieve um we work closely as you say with with many different teams uh, uh especially with product management to deliver the roadmap for them um In terms of my responsibility, I need to make sure that within my team, the different areas of specialisms are are recognised. And um, so one of the changes I've made since I've joined is is, is to really recognise those different areas. And I've appointed team leads. So I now have a team lead of the software engineering side. I've got a team lead of the software testing side. And that's really enabled them to develop those areas um, and, and make sure they have the correct level of focus and support that they need. Um, and as we're now scaling the team, that, that becomes much more important. Mm. And we've talked a little bit about um, women in engineering, obviously, already. Do you have many women on your team? Um, well, I've had women within every engineering team, mm-hmm. which I've managed so far, thankfully, yeah. um, including my my current team. So although they're, they're not a majority, I think, you know, the opportunities for women are there alongside the opportunities for men. Um my, my approach to, to recruitment for my team is is absolutely neutral. You know, I, I don't differentiate on um, gender, 
ethnic background or anything <laughs> else, really. It, it comes down to the ability of the candidate. You know, do they have the experience? Do they have the drive and ambition to actually succeed? Um, and this is the approach that I really encourage my team leads to take as well. Um, you know, we need to be open. We need to be diverse. Mm-hmm. That's how we find the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And you're starting to starting to touch on management and leadership there um, as well, which is absolutely integral to the employee experience and the culture of a business as well. And it would be good just to talk about culture here at McLaren Applied um, and each of your experiences. Um, as we've, we've mentioned a few times now, but it's it's very impressive statistic. Um, Karen, you're going to your your twentieth year here. What is it about McLaren Applied that's really motivated you to continue your your career with with the business, even through the, through those changes as well? Um, I think it's the variety of products that we build. Um, every day there's something new to learn. Every day there's something um, new that we're building, um, and the achievement of getting them out, get getting the units out, and uh, seeing them actually in action and the ownership that we have of every unit, everybody in the team uh, builds a unit from start to finish. And uh, so that's a real achievement when they see it there as well. Yeah. Just me. Abby, what's your experience of the McLaren Applied Culture? The team that I've been in ever since I started has very much been a case of everyone here is, as you've heard, is working on so many things and if we if we weren't doing our work, it would become quite obvious quite quickly because it's that fast paced and there's that much going on. So, I mean, particularly in my team, it's always been a sense of it doesn't really matter where or when you're doing that work. Everyone's got their own patterns, and as as long as that work's getting done, then that should that shouldn't matter. And I think that's a great way to go about it. I mean, everyone's got their own stuff going on, whether it your family is an outside life, and there needs to be a balance between that. And I mean, particularly in my area. We, it swings and roundabouts. We can have months where we're working on bids and you're working late in the office that night because you've got a deadline to submit that bid and everyone's doing the same. And then you could have quieter periods when you're catching up with customers and doing more visits to site um, and that sort of thing. So the difference between the work and, and what can be needed from each individual is is clear so I think the culture around that and being able to support each employee in doing what works best for them I think is something that I've experienced throughout my time and it's really helped me get to where I am today. Like you said there's just so many different experiences in terms of the different roles here and we're certainly seeing a lot of change I suppose over the last um, you know decade or so. We've got some interesting research that's coming out when it comes to women in uh, STEM undergraduate courses in particular. So there's been quite a bit of research between, in particular, kind of the last decade, as I mentioned, about 50% uptake uh, increase when it comes to women accepted full-time into STEM undergraduate courses. So clearly there is progress being made, which is fantastic. And there's certainly been progress made in the world of motorsport as well, which is a bit closer to home. But Emma Gilmore, our first McLaren female driver in Extreme E, what needs to happen to try and maintain that momentum um, when it comes to breaking down those stereotypes, when it comes to women in STEM careers is an open question, but I might start <laughs> with you, Karen. I think it's just making the people who are currently in STEM subjects who are female more visible, just making it more like people, 
other younger people can un- see, actually see, oh, there is someone there, there is someone there. And it's not just always all men or anything like that. You know, oh, there are these people. Oh, oh, I could be that person. And that sort of moment of, oh, yeah, that that sounds interesting. Um, finding that and just letting them be able to follow that. Um, I think having certain role models and visibility of those role models is key. So I think it's where... They, uh, at, St- at McLaren Applied, um, I think most of, oh, sorry, I'll just repeat what I've just said there. Uh, <laughs> um, with the STEM ambassadors we have at McLaren Applied, there's a huge percentage of females compared to normally. I don't know if the, how the best way to describe that, um, but I think <laughs> like right. our STEM ambassadors, half of them are female, I think, where it's so there is that like element of, whoa, you, there are females who are in STEM want, feel like they do want to go out and be those role models. And I think, I think it's encouraging the people who are females in STEM to get out there and, you know, represent and show, show the next generation that there are, you can, you can get there. Um, And next, yeah, more younger ones coming up, then that's always going to be helpful. I must say I've been actually in a team and I think there were actually more females than men because mm-hmm. uh, we had some other there's some younger graduates who came in and there were two females and it just skewed the balance the other way and I think some <laughs> of the guys in the team were like oh oh you know especially in what I do is quite is much more normally a male area of engineering but yeah we had a team which was four females and I think it was three men at the time so woohoo yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic and must have surprised like you said surprised them as well which is interesting and you're an ambassador yep. you're a STEM ambassador helping to inspire the next generation what was the role of ambassadors or mentors perhaps in your own career development Oh, um, I don't think I wasn't really aware of the STEM ambassador like network uh, when I was going when I was growing up. But I was part of a thing called Green Power Car thing, which was um, done for GCSEs, and I got heavily involved uh, at my primary, uh, my secondary school in that. Um, so I ended up spending the uh, Thursday afternoons or after school to, on this club building this electric car um actually so yeah I've been involved in electric cars since back then wow (laughs) Um, but yeah so I was involved in that um when I was younger so I think I that sort of probably sparked a little bit more of an interest in in engineering um so I think there was probably that and then I guess I've got some of my grandparents were more engineering side so I had a slight incline that engineering wasn't always what the stereotype was, which I think probably really helped me actually mm-hmm. to be kind of go into engineering to push that like, yeah, it doesn't always have to be messy and I don't necessarily want to go into that side, but <laughs> the more theoretical side, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's what probably helped me spark to go in there looking back at my history yep. sort of thing. So yeah. Yep. Olivia, what, what are your thoughts when it comes to continuing the momentum and further breaking down those barriers that we've talked about yeah well it's um it's interesting to hear Karen talking about role models um uh, I mean just before I entered my first management role about seven years ago um I worked at Hastings Direct Insurance and um I'd I'd just completed a training course there and Andrea Gray our operations director at the time she uh she was attending uh, as a speaker to share her own insight into her experience of management uh, as a woman 
Um, and uh, she, she really did make a success of it, you know. And I remember my question to her back then uh, was, you know, how do I get an opportunity to step into management? You know, all the job specifications say you need X, Y, Z experience. And uh, she, she quite bluntly, she turned around and she said to me, you know, you make your own opportunities. And that was it, you know. And it, it was a short and sweet message to every man or woman in that room. Um, and it's really stayed with me since. So, you know, it's empowered me. It's, it's made me realise that if I go out there, I pursue my own ambition. Um, you know, that's, that's fairly unrelated to my gender. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't make any difference. So that's the message that I'd pass on again, that, you know, you, you make your own opportunities. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Abby, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the, as we mentioned earlier, it's the, the perception of, I guess, what engineering is and, and that sort of it's very when I was growing up you thought of it in in very much one way as as you said person wearing a hard hat and that's all it is but actually I think getting the through stem or however it may be but getting that message out that it doesn't have to be as well that you'd necessarily deepen the technical side there's a lot of transferable skills that you could enjoy doing through school and education that actually take you down that route so things like problem solving or creative thinking, all that sort of stuff, I guess people tend to associate with other areas. But actually, a lot of my day-to-day, and I'm sure a lot of these guys' day-to-day when they're working in the detail, is when you drill it down, that's the level that you're looking at. For me, it's a customer's come and they've got a problem and they need a technology to solve that. And then sitting down with an engineer and saying, okay, what have we got the capability to do and what's the art of the possible around that? I think, I mean, that's one great thing at McLaren Applied is we don't necessarily look at what's out there in the market today and what's already there but what what is the possibility of what we could build or develop to solve that in a new way and I think that's a key message for me in that actually there's so many skills that fall into it there's not just one thing there's not a mold of an engineer whether that be male or female that you're going to print out and and that's what they are everyone is different and the skills that go into that can be so varied so I think in STEM particular in schools it's drawing out those types of qualities and making people see that it's an achievable goal to reach rather than it having to be okay I'm in the depths of writing code or something there's a middle ground that people if they've got an interest there and they want to follow that that opportunity is there for them to go for. Mm -hmm. Fantastic and Karen? Yeah I think uh when I was uh, growing up, at, when I was at school, there wasn't really the opportunities for uh, women to go into engineering roles and things like that. I can remember my sister um, uh, telling the careers opera, uh, careers person that she wanted to become a pilot and she was told to forget the idea because it was she was never going to be a pilot. She's a woman. And that, that was it. Um, but she's not a pilot. um but um I think definitely these days you know it's there's so much more opportunity and uh you know that can only be a good thing um and uh if if my being a manager in the role I'm in encourages other women to to do that then it's all good I'm sure. I'm sure it does, as you said. Visibility and seeing other women in those roles is absolutely a key yeah, part. It's of not it. something that I actually ever really uh, sought to do. Um, it seems to be something that I've fallen into rather than like it or not. I, you're inspiring lots of people. I'm sure. <laughs> actually, I think thinking about it a little bit more, role models 
we had a um, female CTO at McLaren Applied and actually that must say actually has really kept me driving to carry on to still be like inspired me to go up further um, as well so yeah I would say it's been amazing having Caroline our CTO back a few years ago Um, that's been really like inspiring for me and also when I was my previous company to here there are other senior people at similar sort of positions um who were female chief engineers and things like that and I was like oh that that's cool there are some people so you can look around and there are people out there who are female in those roles so yeah keep that keeps me going mm-hmm. amazing We'd love to hear about some of the most satisfying moments in your careers. You're all contributing to the amazing work that's been done when it comes to sustainability, creating efficiencies, seeing some incredible development going on around you. And this might be a personal satisfying moment because you did something new for the first time or an impressive development that you've seen. Thinking about that for a moment, a standout moment for your career when it comes to something that's really impressed you. There's been there's been many. I will say. I think that you always throughout my five years, we've done many projects and things. And as soon as you get to the end of that, you always get that feeling of accomplishment. But I think the one that stands out for me is um, actually it was it was during COVID, um, and in the transport team, we we were working on um, a bid, and it was it was with Avanti uh, West Coast, one of our customers, and they run the flagship route throughout the UK um, and we were we were bidding to provide the connectivity services on that train and that had been outlined as a key opportunity for us as a business for that year um, one of the targets that we, we needed to win that business and then COVID struck um, and people were on furlough and people were working from home but that bid deadline still sat there so Previously, when we've done bids, it's everyone in the office and getting together and you can just pop over to someone's desk and get on with that uh, with that question. But we didn't have that opportunity. And I think really seeing how everyone pulled together in that time, the, the team was probably cut by a third. Um, but everyone was just jumping on Teams calls and pulling all that information together and putting together a solution that was just something something new for us and we came out and in the end we we won that bid and we won that work and we're working with that customer now which is great and I think when I think back about that time it was just the day-to-day and everyone getting on with it but really the fact that all of these people based all over the country based on all different types of things whether it be engineering procurement commercial design everything just pulled together and put that project together and so to come out with that in covid um that was a real, real sort of accomplishment for the team and something I look back on and think, wow, we, we did a great job on that. So that's one for me. Fantastic. I think for one for me would be uh, being in a car on a public road, um, testing some equipment, which was part of an autonomous system. So that was, must be, that was like a, well, yeah, if some of the, the hardware and software on one of the key components of this car was something I've been involved with and it's helping move this car um, without the driver actually taking over. So that was a really cool moment. Like, wow. Yep. Yep. This is, this is cool. This is moving (laughs) forwards. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Olivia. Yeah. So I think uh, one, one moment which stands out for me was probably, uh, 
in a previous role when I uh, worked for Formula One uh, management. So I was software development manager there. Uh, so my team were responsible for um, several hundred software applications there, the end result being the Formula One broadcast. Um, so again, during, during COVID, the pandemic struck and it basically resulted in a, in a, in a huge change for us. We, we had to move from um, broadcasting the race trackside to actually moving all of that back to the UK uh, and uh, and creating a, a, a remote operation from from there, uh, that that was a uh, a real feat for for my team for many other teams, and uh, we turned that round in seven weeks in the middle of the race season, um, and that was all because of the travel restrictions mm. that were brought around by by the pandemic, and I think that that was a an incredible project really to be part of. Yeah, interesting that a couple of these standout moments have very much been team achievements, actually, which is really interesting in terms of just motivation and I suppose um, when it's more meaningful perhaps to experience some of those moments of success with a group of people. Karen, do you have any standout moments? Um, I suppose the one for me would be um, when we won the mandated contract for the F1 um, and just sitting there watching the, the first race with everything crossed, hoping that nothing <laughs> failed. Are you, are you able to enjoy races anymore? Are you just <laughs> focusing on that reliability? Um, and just seeing the end of the race was good. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And was it just a big sense of relief? I would always say not necessarily excitement once you saw it cross the line safely. Yeah, but relief. just that relief. <laughs> Gosh, I can imagine. And you do work on some phenomenal tech over there and we got to see some of that. Do you have a favourite piece of technology that you like to work on and why? Um, oh, it's got to be the engine control for the Formula One. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a really complicated unit to build and um, it takes 48 hours to build. Um, and it's, it's just, it's not easy, but I like to do intricate things. So very enjoyable. Yeah. And to see it finished at the end, they look quite nice as well. Yes, they they're do. not quite a standard rectangle, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the um, test teams says they look like a pair of pants. <laughs> yes, we did hear that reference. Oh, fantastic. And we've heard a lot of achievements, as you've said, some teams, some individuals, some just amazing experiences when it comes to technology. Is there anything that's still on your wish list or even just in terms of, I suppose, how you see your different areas progressing, something that you really want to achieve at, at McLaren Applied? I think one for me is um, when I started, the the transport team was was quite new and in its infancy in terms of we were we were starting off building things and we had all these concepts as, of what we wanted our products to be able to do and, and where we wanted to go. Um, and over the five years we've, we've come and we've rolled out projects, but really now I'd say in the past probably six months, it feels like we've got to a point now where the products are, are there. You, you can touch and feel them. It's not just talking about concepts now. We've got it. We've got it there. We either got it out developed with a customer or it's in a POC and we're building it. And I feel like now we've just got the legs to run with it. Um, and that's really exciting for me in that I can go and speak to customers and really talk about products that we've got there, how it can help them, how it can benefit them. Um, and I think, yeah, the next the next few years 
particularly in transport, transport's changing so much as an industry and there's so much need for these new technologies that are coming into play. And I think to be a part of that and at the leading edge of that and showing what we can do as a business, I think it's not necessarily one thing, but I think this next period for us is just going to be a real exciting one and I'm excited to see where that goes and be a part of it. Anyone else have any career aspirations or things I'd love to see achieved while you're here as part of your own careers? I think within my team, certainly there's there's lots of exciting things going on. You know, we always encourage each other to innovate and come up with new ideas for the product, um, for new markets, new applications of the software. Uh, but specifically within the team, I think, um, you know, one area we're keen to focus on is test automation. So we, we you know, we have some fantastic developers who, who write an awful lot of code, um, but we would like to explore test automation on a, on a deeper level. Uh, and we've just been recruiting new roles to, to support that. So that will enable us to speed up our turnaround times. It will enable us to you know, make sure the developers can continue developing whilst the testers test. Um, and yeah, I think that's going to really take us to the next level. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Yes, career aspirations. Um, I'm just about to become a team leader. Um, so recruit, currently recruiting for someone at this moment in time. Um, so I think growing, hoping the business grows and therefore the team needs to grow. So I think the career aspirations of stepping into a role and that team growing around me, um, that's and that's that's quite it's a quite near, for, near uh, foresight. But yeah, that that's quite a cool Yep. And there will be cool a whole thing. new set of skills that come with that, I'm sure. How do yep. you feel about uh, learning more about leadership? I'm excited. Yep. Excited to definitely. I've sort of led various different contractor type things mm-hmm. before, so I've had a little bit of a dabble into it. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to learn more, develop those skills more as well. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Karen, is there something you're excited to, to do still? Um. I'd say I'm very happy in my job um, and not really. I just, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying where I am. Mm-hmm. I think now I wouldn't, I'm not particularly worried about moving on. I think from my side as well on a lighter note, if uh, I've been here five years and I've not had a chance to drive a McLaren yet, so if that comes up as an opportunity, is, I'm uh, all over that. <laughs> I, I, got, I got close yeah. to that recently, being a STEM ambassador. Yeah. Uh, didn't get to drive it, but I did sit in and went for a quite a long drive nice. in, a, in a new McLaren. So, yeah, I like that nice. goal. In fact, I might share that goal with yeah. you. <laughs> Olivia, you mentioned earlier that you've had some words of, stuck with you when it comes to your own career, I suppose, and um, making your own opportunities. Have any of the other three had some words of advice that have stuck with you that have influenced your own careers? One that stuck with me, and it's not necessarily something someone specifically said, but it's come up in a number of scenarios, is I when I joined it, it was my first role out of university and I was coming into a lot of teams with a lot more experienced people around me, a lot of older people around me. Um, and that was quite a, a daunting scenario on a few occasions, whether that be internally or with, with customers. And it's easy to go into those scenarios and let that sort of fear in a way take over. But I guess the reminder that I've not just um, knocked on the door and sat in that room without anyone noticing. I've been invited to be in that room. And that's because someone thinks that you've got an input 
that is going to be useful. And it doesn't matter what your experience or your age or anything else matters. You can bring something to that room and there's a reason to be there. So I think keeping that as a reminder, that's something even now I'll go into situations where you feel a bit nervous today, a good example of something new I've not tried before. Um, but a reminder that you've been invited there because you've got something to bring to the room. Um, and I think that's something that that's helped me a lot throughout my career for sure. I think it is find what makes you spark and then follow that. Uh, find that thing, like trying to find it sometimes can take a while. And also just give anything a go. Mm-hmm. Like don't give it a go. If you don't like it, just change again, but give it a go. You don't know until you've actually given it a go if you're going to like something or not. So why not try? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that, um, yeah, you're absolutely right, Karen. Give it a go. See where it takes you, yeah. So we've had a couple of mentions here about roles in various teams that are open. If there was somebody listening in who's considering applying to McLaren Applied, what would be your words of advice? I would just say to to go for it. I think particularly with the the route that I came from, I think McLaren Applied is a great place in that they they want great people. They want people that are excited about things and Obviously, we want people with particular skill sets and that are going to come and bring something to that. But actually, I've seen a lot of examples across my time where actually if someone's come, that they've shifted roles to, to suit. Like my role wasn't a role before I joined account executive. There were no other account managers in McLaren Applied at the time that I joined. Um, but sort of coming through the work experience, working with the team, obviously, luckily for me, they saw something that they wanted to bring. So I would say in that sense... If, if there's an interest there in, in McLaren Applied in, in any sort of STEM subject, just, just show that, follow it, push it, and there'll be an opportunity there. I think the, the door isn't going to open unless you give it a bit of a nudge sometimes, so just go for it. What a great phrase. I haven't heard that said before. A bit of a nudge. I like that. Any other words of advice for people who might be thinking about working at McLaren Applied? Yeah, I, I would mirror that, definitely. I think, you know, you, you can see a job specification um, some people may get halfway through that and think, well, I don't tick all those boxes. That's not really what it's about. You know, it's it's about having that intuition. It's about having that drive and the ambition to succeed and to want to work with us, you know. Uh, so I'd say get in touch, talk to us, tell us what you are interested in and what your passion is and what your background is because we're here, we're interested and uh, and we're recruiting. So you know, get in touch. Amazing. Definitely echo that. Definitely. Um, that show you the passion and just go for it. Um, and I think there's some sort of statistic out there that if you're a female, you do need to tick a high percentage of those boxes of, in your mind uh, before you apply. So if there are only females listening um, <laughs> and you don't feel you're ticking quite as many, just have that back in your mind. And you're like, if, it's, if you're a male, you might have ticked enough. So just go for it. All right. Well, we might wrap it up there. Thank you, everybody, for sharing your stories. It's been fascinating listening to all those different travelling opportunities, gosh, which have even, um, I suppose, influenced your your careers um, as well as interactions with the Queen, no less. So (laughs) thank you, everybody, for your time and for sharing all of your stories. Thank you very much. Thank 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 you. Well, so many amazing women working here at McLaren Applied and some fascinating stories. I certainly didn't expect to hear the Queen pop up when we were having our discussion today. But what an amazing end to our series here for Inside McLaren Applied. 
James, what have you enjoyed about this most? Well, I've loved listening to the stories, as you've said, and there were some absolutely amazing moments in that panel episode as well. But I've really enjoyed getting to understand what McLaren Applied does in the world of motorsport and in transport and in automotive as well, and what's coming up. Now, whilst this might be the end of the podcast series, make sure you head across to McLaren Applied's socials to keep up to date with everything that's going on with the business. But it is time to say goodbye for the final time for this series of Inside McLaren Applied. Freya, thank you so much for joining me for this whole series, and we'll see you very soon. 